You choose Columbus Business First every week to give you the inside industry intelligence for nearly every business sector in Central Ohio. And Columbus Business First chose Crate Media as its official podcast partner for its unique show, Women of Influence, now 70 episodes strong. With 4 million shows, hundreds of millions of listeners, and industry advertising revenues approaching $4 billion, podcasting is the fastest-growing audio medium in the U.S. From law to medical, construction to automotive, retail to real estate, every brand has a story. Let Crate Media help tell yours. Visit crate.media slash CBF to learn more about how we can help while receiving a free one-hour casting session with our expert producers, which will help to uncover and shape your company's branded podcast. To learn more about sponsoring Columbus Business First Women of Influence podcast, please email Advertising Director Steve Hewitt at shewitt at bizjournals.com to get started. That's S-H-E-W-I-T-T at bizjournals.com. The benefit of me being in the roles that I've been in, in HR, marketing, and then operations, and now as a leader, is I have power and influence to really drive efforts to increase diversity, you know, with women and, and people of color. From Columbus Business First, it's Women of Influence, an interview series showcasing some of the most inspiring women in the Central Ohio business community. Today's guest is Allison Marker, CEO of Marker Construction Co. Allison didn't grow up dreaming of working in construction. Well, that's her family business. Allison herself was more interested in people than buildings. So she pursued degrees in women's study and psychology, starting her career as a social worker and later a psychotherapist but eventually the family business called. I grew up not having any interest in joining the construction company. I grew up, you know, when I grew up, I saw my dad working a lot of hours. Um, It seemed stressful. There were, you know, I saw the buildings that we were building, which I thought were cool, but there wasn't any representation of women in the industry. I just saw a bunch of guys working out on job sites and uh, just didn't never saw a, a place for me and didn't have an interest in engineering or studying anything like that in school. So I have a couple of brothers uh, that, that were in the business as well. And my parents always told us, you know, you when you go to school, you study whatever you want to. You follow your passion, um, find what you really love, and pursue it. There's There was no pressure to join the family business or get into construction. So when I went to school, that's what I did. I ended up um, taking a lot of classes in women's studies and gender studies and psychology. And that's really where I found my interest was like people and how how people's minds work and how people interact. and, And I just loved it. So I ended up majoring in psychology and women's studies. And then, um, realized that what I wanted to do was to become a psychotherapist. So the quickest path to that, because I'm all about efficiency, was to study social work and get my master's in social work. So I moved to Columbus to study at OSU, and I pursued my master's in social work degree. While I was there, I did some practicums working with Um, people in the homeless system. So I worked at a homeless shelter for a while doing group drug and alcohol treatment and mental health counseling. 
And then I worked for a community mental health agency, Southeast Inc. downtown here in Columbus, also working with folks who were super vulnerable, um, the most vulnerable out there, people who had chronic homelessness issues, legal, legal history that prevented them from getting work, employment, people who had severe mental illnesses, et cetera. So that's what I did for several years. I loved that work, but what I really wanted to do was help people on a deeper level um, learn how to change and grow. So I ended up going to a postgraduate training program in Gestalt psychotherapy, and that was a three-year program. And while I was there, I was recruited to work at that private practice. So I was doing private practice psychotherapy, then kind of with the other end of the spectrum, people who had money, sort of the, you know, a different population than what, what I came from. But it was all the same thing. It's just helping people learn how to grow and, and become more aware and, and develop themselves. So I was doing that for a while when my dad reached out to me, who at the time was running the company. Marker Construction is a family-owned business. I'm a third-generation family member. And he was like, yeah, I've got, uh, got an HR person who's close to retirement. Um, I'm opening up a Columbus office. We're from Bell Fountain, which is about an hour northwest of here. And he's like, I don't really have anybody, you know, in the Columbus area that I know, that I trust, that can really help me build this office, grow it, bring people on, you know, somebody with some energy who can be my, like, right-hand person here in Columbus. And so he's like, I don't know if you'd, you know, I don't know if you'd be interested in that, you know, seem to be doing fine with your own stuff. And uh, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll entertain a conversation about it. I really, I respect my dad, and I think he's super smart in the business world, and I really appreciate everything that um, he has done over the years and what my grandfather built in the company, and so I kind of felt like, eh, you know, maybe this is something that I could I could help out for a while, and, and I, did, I was like, you know what, I think I could do that for maybe a year or two. I'll come help you, you know, get some things set up and really work with you on finding the right people to, to help things move forward. So I actually kept my license as a therapist. Um, I actually kept my practice, and I was still seeing my clients at the same time as I started working at the construction company because I was like, oh, I could juggle it. Like, this is fine. I'll juggle it. This isn't, like, not, like, fully committed here. And I probably six to nine months later, I was like, no, I actually really love this. Mm -hmm. So I got in and, you know, really just fell in love with the people and the energy and the excitement and the challenges. And and I ended up transitioning all my clients and, you know, fully committed. Allison's career change is one of the more dramatic ones I've covered on the podcast. So I asked her, does she miss chatting with clients on the couch? Sometimes. I mean, I do miss the intimacy of the one-on-one interaction and getting to know people on that deep level. So I still feel like I'm doing similar work. So as I was working with my dad on succession planning, I, I never saw myself in this role. But I really, my goal was to help him find that next leader and find the next generation of leaders so that he could step away, retire, enjoy life. That was my goal. Like, that was really what I was trying to do the first couple years, first few years. So 
as we were working on that over the years, we, you know, we had some really great people come through that we were looking, you know, maybe they're the next, you know, unicorn. Maybe they're the next person that's really going to take this thing and run with it. But never, like, and we had some internal candidates. So we were talking all the time about succession, you know, who, who's, who's going to be this person or the group of people that are going to take us in the, in, into the future. And we just weren't finding that person. We, we kept trying and we, weren't, we just weren't finding somebody who had that, like, deep, deep desire to, like, you know, commit to the long game. And then I know we were meeting one time, it was like 2017, 2018, and still having those same conversations. And then finally, I was like, what about me? Maybe I should just do it. You know, maybe, you know, the, what's the worst that can happen? I fail, and then we find somebody else. But really, the conversations that we were having about what does this next person look and feel like was not about construction, technical knowledge, and skills. It was about people. Mm-hmm. It was about leading people, leading people with empathy and caring and being people first and really helping to grow the organization through our people. And so that's where it makes, that's where the connection with my background makes sense mm-hmm. to what I'm doing now. Because I'm not a construction person. You don't want me building anything. <laughs> but I am there for the people. And, uh, and so, yeah, I do miss some of that like intimate connection, but I, I still am really fulfilled because I get to use my position to help people grow mm-hmm. in a different way. Allison's big pivot raised another question for me. Plenty of women struggle with imposter syndrome, feeling like they don't belong in their position of authority, even when they've trained for it their entire lives. How does she handle that self-doubt coming in as a newbie? Well, I always feel self-conscious about the whole point of this podcast, but as a woman, uh, <laughs> you know, there, there aren't a ton of female construction company leaders, and especially being one that doesn't have the technical background, did you, do you deal with or did you deal with any sense of imposter syndrome or feeling yeah. uncertain, and how do you overcome that? <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't think I have overcame it at all, overcome it. Um, I absolutely struggle with that all the time, especially in meetings with clients when they ask about, you know, certain things related to construction, and I don't know the answers, but I make sure that I have people at the table who do. But yeah, I, I try to reassure myself and, and remember the reason why I'm there is not for the technical skills. We've got you know, 140 people in our company and a full team of people who are really great with the technical part. You know, they're builders. That's what they love to do. And so I do try to reassure myself all the time. Like, that's not what I'm here for. I'm mm-hmm. here for, you know, vision, strategy, providing resources, making sure people have the right resources, making sure people are connecting in the way that they need to. So, yeah, that's that's kind of how I deal with it. Mm-hmm. But no, I uh, definitely, I, you know, have, have dealt with that my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't mean Allison isn't working to learn the ins and outs of the industry. I got involved with projects. That's how I learned. And so when I started with a company, I started in an HR role. And then I picked up some marketing. So I was overseeing all of our marketing and our business development pursuits. So there I was learning, okay, what are, you know, what are we even talking about here? You know, what are we trying to do? What are we trying to sell? What, what, what is different about us? Um, so I started to learn more there because you have, I mean, in order to sell, in order to do that, you have to understand the business. 
And then I started wanting to get involved. And this was all me like, hey, I want to do this. I want to do that. And I just had a lot of support from my dad and from other people in the organization to do that, which is amazing. But I started to get involved with projects at an executive level. So I didn't have to be the expert on building, but I was involved at a higher level and I could see how the team works. I could see who does what. I could see who goes, who needs to go where for what. And I learned a lot about construction, the process, the, the types of contracts, how you work with clients, what clients need through just getting engaged in projects. Mm-hmm. And I you know, worked really, really closely with my dad over the years to learn from him and have had a lot of great mentors, a lot of great teammates that we have one person who unfortunately passed away unexpectedly last year, but his name was Simone. And he would come to my office every day at the end of the day, like six o'clock, and we would just talk for an hour or more about construction. Mm-hmm. So I learned a lot through those conversations and with, with people. One of Allison's greatest resources at Marker has been her father, who she succeeded in the top job. Every family business, just like every family, has its own unique dynamic. But for Allison, working closely with her dad has never been an issue. No, it's, it's actually, in, it, it's remarkably been really great. And I'm a member of the Conway family of businesses. I'm in a peer group there. And so we learn, we hear a lot about family dynamics with family businesses and challenges and, and all of that kind of stuff. But it's actually been really great. My mm-hmm. dad and I work really well together. He's been my biggest cheerleader, my biggest supporter. He's um, really committed to helping people learn and grow. And so he's always there for, sometimes he, you know, takes a little, like, takes up a lot of space and takes a little longer to, like, communicate stuff. And I'm like, no, I got it after, <laughs> like, 20 minutes. But, but no, he, he's been great. He's been great. He's opened up a lot of doors. He's given me a lot of opportunities. And I'm incredibly grateful for that. Awesome. Yeah. And my brother, I had one brother who um, was our safety director, and he recently exited to try some, some different stuff. But he and I got along great. Mm-hmm. And then I have another brother who was with the company for a while. He, he was a, He's an engineer and then left the business to study law, mm. ended up working in real estate law for a while, and then came back and is now leading our real estate mm-hmm. development cool. company. Mm-hmm. So he and I have to work really closely yeah. together because we lean on them for, for work for us, and they lean on us to do work for them. Mm-hmm. So it's a really symbiotic relationship. It's good. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Great. Would, would do you help your kids go into the family business? Only if they want to. Mm-hmm. I really have no strong feelings about it. I My focus is always getting the right people in the right seats. And so if that happens to be them, cool, and they want it, great. Uh, if it's the other people, I mean, we're going to keep working. To, it's not like I'm like like waiting for them to take over. So it's really, for me, about finding the people who want to be there and mm-hmm. who want to, who are excited to be in the industry, who want to build, who are good at it, and who have potential to, to stick around. And yeah, if, if that's a part of their journey, that's wonderful. If not, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. As a former HR professional, Allison has a lot of experience finding people with passion and potential. It's something she's leaning on as she works to diversify the male-dominated construction sector. You know, 
the benefit of me being in the roles that I've been in, in HR, marketing, and then operations, and now as a leader, is I have power and influence to really drive efforts to increase diversity, you know, with women and, and people of color. So we, women in the construction industry, I think the statistics are like, there's 10.9% women on average in the construction industry. And of that number, there's only about two, one to two and a half percent of women who are actually on the front lines working on job sites. Columbus construction companies are busier than ever as the region's boom continues and the increased demand from Intel's New Albany mega project blooms. I asked Allison what marker is most excited about these days. So there's some really cool ones that uh, we've been recently awarded. Um, we're out at Coda McKinley Avenue right now doing a $56 million renovation. And that's for Joanna Pinkerton. You know, well, it's for Coda, but Joanna Pinkerton is like a role model of mine. And I just think she's amazing. And what, you know, what Coda is doing in the community is amazing and progressive. So we're out there right now doing some work. And then we were also recently awarded the, the new CODA Mobility Center, which is going to be at Rickenbacker, and that is going to be a hub for mm-hmm. people in that area, which I think is really cool. It's all about bringing people together and, and you know, increasing opportunities through mobility. And then we just kicked off a project with Elsie Johnson, who I know mm-hmm. is on here before, for her new, her new facility that they're doing for Zora's house. Um, and I'm really pumped about that. Just... Her mission, Zora's house mission, is exciting to me. I I get most excited about doing stuff that has that has meaning for the community. So we do a lot of work. We do a lot of like big boxes, industrial type projects, but I get really interested in the ones that are like community focused. Mm-hmm. Um, we did just finish a, a theater renovation in Marysville, the Avalon Theater. That mm-hmm. one was really cool too. Um, we do a lot of historical renovations. So Jeffrey Mansion and Bexley, we just completed that renovation, and that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So yeah, right. lots going on. Just as the construction broom is bringing in revenue, it's also creating challenges. Labor is tough to find, as are supplies. How is Marker responding? We are being as honest with our clients as we can. We're being super transparent, and just I think everybody understands right now that that's we have no control over it. And so we are trying to get ahead of those conversations as much as possible, trying with our suppliers and our subcontractors, and then communicating that with our clients so that everybody understands, you know, what used to take 15 weeks to get here is now 40 weeks. Um, So it's going to impact your schedule and it's going to impact costs. And we'll work with you as best as we can to minimize, you know, the, the disruption to the plans. But it, you know, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. So that's that. With the labor market, we actually just hired a new director of workforce development. And he is coming on board and his full and sole focus is on workforce development. So he's out there making connections with all the the local workforce development partners, with schools, and just trying to invest in, in the future for the labor market in central Ohio, or in the construction industry, period. So we know that the efforts that we're doing aren't necessarily going to bring people in our door, but we're looking at 5, 10, 15 years down the road. If we're getting in front of students and helping them get 
interested or inspired in construction, that it will help us in the long run. Mm-hmm. Like all our Women of Influence guests, Allison has an extremely demanding job. Add in kids' soccer commitments, and that's not a lot of time for herself. So transitioning a little bit more about you, how many hours a week would you say you're working? <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, 70, 80? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's kind of all the time. And it's not healthy, and it's not the right thing. And I would never suggest that anybody else in the organization do it. But, you know, it kind of goes back to the whole, one, there's so much to do. Mm-hmm. And two, I love doing it. But three, I think being a family member and being a woman, there's probably a little bit of like, I have to work harder than everybody else. Although I think if you ask anybody in the company, they would be like, no, you don't, <laughs> you don't have to, actually. <laughs> you can go, go home. But there's, you know, kind of that deeper sense of like, I got to be there later than everybody. I got to work harder than everybody to like earn that respect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. So Pressure, kind of. Yeah. Well, what do you do when you're able to, for those, what, yeah. <laughs> 20 hours or whatever? I don't even know how many hours there yeah. are in a week. How, yeah. how do you uh, unwind? Well, uh, thankfully, we just finished our soccer season, but I've got three kids mm. who all played club soccer this the past, club. Yeah, so is that travel? A little or? bit of travel, a little bit of travel. Um, you know, Cincinnati was the furthest that we went. So a lot of time with kids' activities. Um, the one thing that my family does for fun is live music, going to oh, concerts. Mm-hmm. So when we do have opportunities, that's what we're doing. Great. Mm-hmm. As always, I concluded our interview by asking Allison for the number one piece of advice she has for young women entering the workforce. Say yes to opportunities, be open to things that may not seem like they make sense right away, but I would say build your network, talk to lots of people, but say yes, you know, that's that's how I've gotten to where I am, is just somebody throws an opportunity out, yes, I'll do it, and I learned, I've learned so much about what I love doing, what I don't wanna do, and, but yeah, getting getting people around you that are supportive, you know, Male, female, it doesn't matter who, who can help you grow and support you and help you connect with people and open up doors. Great. Well, mm-hmm. I think that's excellent advice, and yeah. it was really fun to chat with you. So yeah, thank you so much, you too. Allison. Thank you. All right. And thanks so much to all of you for joining us as well. If you're not already, then follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you'll be notified of each new episode as it's released. Another huge thank you to Allison Marker for joining us. I'm Eleanor Kennedy, Assistant Managing Editor of Columbus Business First, and this has been Women of Influence. See you next time.